for our adventure guest, Alexander Davenport, Ogden Valley Adaptive Sports, or ADAPT, and they brilliantly did the acronym there, Executive Director, has been in Utah for not even a full year, right? A little over a year now. Okay, yeah. one year, one year. Lives so in you've Ogden. hit all the seasons. I've hit all the seasons. All the seasons. Oh. Then you know. All the snowy seasons. <laughs> then you know. Uh, your favorite uh, Utah season so far, and you hit. Yeah, this is this is a really good winter, by the way. So this might not count, but yeah. So last year, they <clears throat> people apologized to me. They said, "Hey, this is the worst winter we've had in 20 years." And then this year, they're like, "This is the best winter in 20 years." So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I moved here for the for the winter, obviously with the job and in creating a, a ski and snowboard program for people with disabilities. But boy, I love the spring, the summer, the fall. It's just been amazing here. I, we I, had a good fall it. too. Like we had a really good fall. We did have a good yeah. fall. Yeah. Usually the fall, I'll be honest, because the fall is my favorite, and it's like sometimes it's a sliver. You get like a, a weekend. You get a good You don't want a half fall, fall weekend. Yeah. You don't want like, it's like 100 degrees in August, and then all of a sudden it's 45, no, 50 wanted, in October. I want an yeah. even amount, right. at least of fall. I want a good fourth of the year for fall. That's what I right. want. I agree with This you. year we had at least a couple months, which is better than usual, so that was yeah. good. I agree. But then we're making up for it, over making up for it. <laughs> I've been continuously blown away by just the whole area. I love it out here. Okay, so Alex, what are you doing in Utah? Because you're not from here. No, I just moved here from Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, a little over a year ago. And... Wait, where's the beer? <laughs> Cheers. Oh, yes, thank Cheers. you. Yeah, we, we got we, we get best the... beer. Mother Road Tower Station beer. It is uh, Damn my good favorite beer. beer thank so. you so much. Yeah. Let's get a shot of that. <laughs> Said the beer was, uh, or the show was beer friendly, so I decided to invite everybody here with uh, one of my favorite beers. So. What's it called when we don't podcast without a beer? I think not boring. A I think we call that boring. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do yes, it before. You had, <laughs> yes, you had a surgery or something, and then yeah. I had there was I was sick or something, but yeah. very seldom. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just moved here from Flagstaff, Arizona. So for the last ten years, I, I started, uh, founded a nonprofit called High Country Adaptive Sports, and we teach people with disabilities. To ski and Wait, snowboard. You, found, you founded that? I founded that organization. What was that yeah. process like? Because um, did you did you know anything about nonprofits? No, no, I did not. I yeah. knew a That's little a bit about skiing, and okay. I I quickly learned the impact that it has on people with disabilities and their and their lives, and and really just volunteers and and everybody, and how important outdoor recreation can be, and the opportunity to kind of share that with everybody and create that access. So right, I got to no. stop. I got to stop you real quick. How, is someone in your family disabled? Like, wh why did you gravitate towards the disability client? I guess it, that's a that's a funny question. Um, no, no, I don't don't, okay. don't really have anybody in my family. Um, right out of high school, I joined the Marine Corps, and uh, out out of the Marine Corps, I spent four years there and moved to Flagstaff to go to school. And had some friends from high school, and they said, "Hey, we're going to get you a job." And I said, "I don't want a job. I just want to go to school." And they said, no, 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 we're going to get you a job. You're going to be a ski instructor. You're going to love it. And I said, nope, I don't want a job. I'll buy a season pass. I'll just ski. And I was a terrible skier and uh, not nearly good enough to instruct is what I thought at the time. And, and they said, dude, <laughs> we teach kids how to ski in the morning and we ski around and drink beer all afternoon. It's not a <laughs> So <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, okay, I, I can get into this. And, uh, you know, one Saturday in my first season, I was a terrible skier, terrible ski instructor. And... Uh, the supervisor came up and said, hey, there's a there's a special needs lesson. Does anybody have any experience with that? And nobody raised their hand. And they said, well, does anybody want to give it a try? And so, so I they asked a second time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, does anybody want to try? And I said, sure, I'll try anything twice. Oh. And uh, went out with the kid. He was 14 years old. He was on the autism spectrum, nonverbal, 
took a little bamboo pole and we skied around. Non-verbal even. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. again, terrible ski instructor, not have any idea what I was doing. And we went around for three hours. And at the very end of the lesson, I just kind of let him go and he slid to a stop and I smiled, he smiled. But what I didn't know was his dad was watching and his dad said, Alex, you have no idea what you've done. And I said, sir, I am so sorry. I've never worked with kids. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 no. Yeah. He, said, he said, doctors said he'd never, he'd never ride a bike. He'd never play soccer. He'd never do anything that other kids do. And albeit for three seconds, I saw my son ski. And right then and there, I was like, wow, all right, I'm going to got to start a program. I have to, you know, figure it out. And that's what I did. I've been figuring was it, it out ever was since. Was it that, like, like that might happen to other people, but they don't go home and make a plan. Like, so what happened, like, how did you go home and really change your mind and put that to action. Well, you know, I, I saw how impactful it was for the family, you know, mm -hmm. and then I felt how impactful it was for me. So then like any millennial does is get on on YouTube and Google and, and figure it out. It's like, okay, how to start a nonprofit. And then, so then started a nonprofit and that process isn't that hard and quickly realized, okay, wow, this is going to take a lot of money. So then I had to start writing grants. And as poor of a ski instructor as I was, I was even worse at writing grants. And so I kept writing grants that kept getting denied and writing grants kept getting denied. You were selling us on your <laughs> profits. And then eventually it's like, okay, well, hey, we're going to give you $5,000. And it's like, oh my God, $5,000. And, uh, but then just quick, you know, learning and learning from the failures, 80% of, of learning comes from failure. And, and I failed a lot. And so, you know, after 10 years of running that, it started with skiing and snowboarding, and then that turned into kayaking and rock climbing, and, and we have an awesome mountain bike program down there in Flagstaff. And I just, it's so impactful. And then, you know, I got this opportunity to come to, to Utah and basically kind of do it again. They had an established ski and ride program. Yeah, so just real quick, you said you took a demotion to come here. Yeah, so I was the executive director there, and, uh, you know, for 10 years, all of the responsibility and all of the weight fell on my shoulders. You know, I was the founder and I was the instructor and building and training. And, and so, you know, this opportunity came, um, Ogden Valley Adaptive reached out to me and they said, you know, hey, you know, we want to start a summer program. And if you could do what you did in Flagstaff. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I took the job here to be a program director and I wanted to get closer to the snow, closer to the students, closer back closer to the instructors and not do so much of the fundraising and the grant writing and all those things. Mm -hmm. And uh, not that that's not fun. Or well, time. it's fun it's in its own way and it's necessary. But, yeah. uh, you know, I did that for I think it was three months. And then I think the, the board quickly realized that, you know, we needed some leadership. We needed some uh, some fundraising uh, abilities. And that's really kind of what I I strive at. And so uh, the executive director that hired me, he resigned and took another opportunity. And uh, then we had to decide the board and I had to decide, OK, well, what do we do? do I roll into this position and kind of do what I know how to do? Or do we take a chance and try and find somebody outside just so I could do what I really wanted to do? And for the organization where the, the financial position that we were in at the time, it just made more sense for me to be the executive director and then hire out new program coordinators and directors. So okay. that's what we did. Hard, hard question. Because you started your own deal and then you came to Utah and you saw a new system did you immediately see ways to improve or, or did you see where the breakdowns were or, or, you know, what did you see when you got here? Yeah. You know, got to give a ton of credit. The foundation that was laid here, you know, for, for Ogden Valley Adaptive Sports was awesome, you know, and this industry is built out of love. It's built out of passion. And um, really who took it to the next level was a retired teacher and a retired lineman, Jim and Karen Bradley. They did an amazing job. They built this awesome program. So I came in in my first year, you know, I didn't want to be the person with the iron fist. It's like, why are you doing this? And why don't you do this? And I just took it all in. 
right? I spent the entire winter season just taking it in and seeing, okay, where where are there room for improvement with fundraising and where's there room for improvement for training and, and quality of lessons and things like that. So I really spent the first half of my time here evaluating. And then now, this year really came into it and decided, okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's hire these people. Thankfully, our industry is pretty small, so I kind of cherry-picked some really, really great individuals. Mm-hmm. And this season, uh, we've we've just about doubled the lessons as of last year. Um, we've blown past all of our goals, both my uh, financial goals and lesson goals and quality of, of experience goals. And, you know, but we are just barely scratching the surface mm-hmm. with with identifying and accommodating the needs of this community. So uh, ADAPT, Ogden Valley Adaptive Sports, is was it, so it was purely winter before now, and then they decided they wanted to add some summer yeah. stuff, I guess? So skiing, snowboarding for the last 10 years, I okay. think, uh, maybe even 12 years. And then, you know, they wanted to go to this year-round programming, which is awesome, you know. Thankfully, I'd just done that a couple of years ago in Flagstaff. So <laughs> what I love to say is boy, I made a lot of mistakes the first go around. And the second go around is, is a lot easier than the first one. So learning from those mistakes that I made in the past and coming in with a, a different attitude and a different approach uh, has been super, super successful. So this first year, you know, just by myself, we wanted to provide 50 experiences with cycling um, and kayaking. And with myself and a couple of volunteers, we ended up providing 154 experiences, so three times what we thought. So the, you do know that's more than 50. Like if the goal was 50. That means the goal for next year is going to be what? Like 300. Yeah. Yeah. I love. You ever hear like a motorcycle passing you on the freeway? I like to be that with goals. Like there's my goal, and then it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's been awesome. The needs in the community are huge. The support in this community is amazing. Ogden Valley. Well, yeah, great. talk about that. So who's some oh. of the sponsors and who helps you? Because that's can't be cheap to buy some of that equipment that you guys have. No, um, the support's been great. Uh, we're we're getting our footing. You know, before it was kind of a, a very small program by design, and really focusing on people with cognitive and, and developmental disabilities. And, you know, there's a huge need for people with physical disabilities. Uh, we have three pillars of growth that we kind of created, and one is veterans. Um, so the veteran community, near and dear to my heart, and expanding on that. Uh, school systems, you know, getting into our school systems. And, and for a long time, it seems like um, kids with disabilities in the classrooms, when everybody went out to go ski, the kids with disabilities had to stay home. Mm. And that is BS. Mm. You know, they're, they're, we can't have that, right? Yeah. And so that was a pillar of growth. And then the, the third one is uh, rehabilitation hospitals, right? You get people that have been injured. They're in a catastrophic injury. They, they have a spinal cord injury, for example. And they have one of two options. They can sit on their couch and they can think about that day and what they could have done different so that didn't happen to them. Or they can learn how to live with this new body of theirs and, and uh, learn how to live with this disability and get out there and really thrive. And so that's kind of where we're really hyper-focused on is identifying those people that, you know, just got injured and we want to give them the access. And you're right. The equipment takes it's, – yeah. it's, it's very expensive. Have you uh, met Daniel with the Weaver State University Outdoor Program? I sure have. Okay, and, uh, and I appreciate them so much. Yeah. Our, we started rock climbing, kayaking, and cycling yeah. last year. These programs are going to take off next year, I know, especially with the people that we have in place. And uh, the Weaver State Outdoor Program has been awesome. They're doing all of our rock climbing for us. We do monthly rock climbing events at Weaver State. And, boy, the, the crew there is just amazing. Yeah. And they love it. They've been wanting to do it forever. They just didn't have the people. Yeah. Well, we had the people, but we didn't have the means. So we just linked up, and it's been fantastic. Alex, what in 
your background, um, maybe it was in the military. I don't know. Maybe it was your childhood. Maybe you have good parents. I don't know. What was it, do you think, that made made you okay with failing so many times? Because there's a lot of people that won't do that, or if they do fail, they'll quit. And you just stuck with it and decided this is, I got to fail enough to succeed. Yeah, I'm a firm believer that, that 80% of learning comes from failure. And Where'd I, you learn that? I don't, I read Is this it a parent book. thing? Is this a book thing? Maybe I listened to it on one, on one of your awesome yeah. podcasts. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um, Listen, that is the Banyan way. It's 80% of the time. Yeah. Um, but yes, to your, to your question, do I have great parents? Absolutely. You know, um, wonderful family and great support group. And, you know, you fall down, you get back up. I think maybe a little bit of the military. Um, I'll tell you what the military did teach me for sure that has helped me in my career is patience. Boy, how's that patience? Yeah, you know, in the military, it's hurry up and wait. Uh-huh. And now it was it was always hurry up and wait. But for what? Why? Why am I hurrying up and waiting? Mm-hmm. Now I, I love to hurry up and wait. Some some of our students, especially with like the cognitive disabilities, an entire lesson might be just getting the boots on, getting mm-hmm. your ski boots on, walking around the room. That could take two hours. And I have the least amount of patience with myself with anything. I can barely hang a picture in my house. But when it comes to other people. For some reason, I'm just super patient, and uh, that's something that I've been able to not only learn how to cultivate myself, but also bring out from other people. So um, that's probably, I used to think, hey, I'm saving the world one adaptive lesson at a time, and then I became an instructor, trainer, so now I train instructors, and it's like, okay, well, I'm saving the world one adaptive instructor at a time, and now I'm thinking, hey, maybe one program at a time, and so I'm really starting to think more on a national level of how can we get this adaptive industry and, and, and create more inclusive outdoor recreational Yeah, is there a national program or group or anything? You know, there's a couple different national things. There's a certifying uh, Professional Ski Instructors of America. They have uh, an adaptive certification process that's, that's known and kind of accredited nationwide. Um, but every little... Every state, every ski resort, every every state in the they're country. They're all different. Yeah, they're all different, but they all have adaptive recreation mm-hmm. programs. You know, Salt Lake City has a great rec program with the, with the city. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of different, most of them are nonprofits, but there's a bunch of different um, programs. There's programs all over the country. Mm. But really, we never really talk to each other. Hey, what do you do? Hey, what do you do? Until COVID hit. COVID hit, and we're like, mm. well, what the heck are we going to do? How are we possibly going to do this in this environment? And out of that came an executive director and programs call. So all the programs meet once a month, and we still do it to this day. We meet once a month. Hey, what's working for you? What's not working? And there's a there's much more of a collaborative effort mm-hmm. to create access nationwide. And but how how satisfying was that for you, especially as somebody who was truly making it up as you go, to start running across people that were smarter than you, more experienced than you, just meaning bringing that other perspective to it just seems like it's something I'm always craving. So much of what I do, and Cole probably relate to some of this in the art field too, you can make it up as you go. You can be self-taught as much as you want. But if you can really collaborate or work with somebody that either has that educational background or experience level, it just it makes you a better artist. It makes me a better arts leader in my case. I'm sure that that applies to what you do as well. I wouldn't be anywhere without the leaders in this community. There's just, there's just, there's so much to learn. There's so much. And Behind every single program across the country, if you look at the National Ability Center that runs out of Park City or Wasatch Adapted that runs, you know, uh, out of Snowbird, there's always this one driving person behind it all. And I love being that person. 
but there's no way that I could do it without the support of all of the people around me. And just like any business, and, and you know, one of the things that I was convincing the board is, you know, an organization is only as strong as its people. So let's invest in those people. And for a long time in our industry, it's always, oh, it's a labor of love and people would do it for free. Well, that's not a part of the job description. Are you talking about the arts as well? I think maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's not, uh, loving your job shouldn't be part of your benefits package. In fact, we should pay people more that truly love their job. And so that's kind of the culture that I'm trying to create in our industry is let's let's find good people, let's pay them well, let's give them benefits, let's do all of these things to keep them around. Because for so long we find these great people, well other people find great people too, and then they end up taking a job for either more money or better experience or better growth opportunities. Let's change that, let's make adaptive skiing and adaptive recreation so much fun, and at the same time, pay the people what they're worth. And that's hard in the nonprofit industry. And so that's why you know we're scratching the surface here of growth, but the community support has been awesome, and we're just barely getting started. What, in your short time here with ADAPT, um, has been maybe a good story that you can tell, from, like a success story, from, from one of the kids? Yeah. Um, boy, it happens to me more often than I think most people, but yeah. um, I was having dinner at a fundraising event the other day, and somebody, you know, big donor said, hey, how was your day? I said, I had the best day of my life. He says, oh, my God, really? And I said, yeah, tell me about it. And uh, so it was somebody that got injured, spinal cord injury, 20 years ago. Hmm. And that day was their anniversary. It was their 20-year anniversary of getting hurt. And he called us like three days prior and said, hey, you know, I know it's kind of late notice, but is there any way I, I, I broke my back snowboarding? I want to get back and slide on snow. And I had the opportunity to be the one to get him back on snow sliding. And I sat him down and I said, look, monoskiing is extremely difficult. It's really hard to learn. The learning curve is super steep. You're going to fall. You're going to hit your face. And I like to say, you know, you need two, three, maybe four days on snow before you really start to see success. That, is this the, what is this, the mono ski? So, and is there a difference for snowboarders and skiers? Like, can you do both or how does yeah, that work? Yeah, so it, it is a little bit ski dominant. A mono okay. ski is basically kind of like a wheelchair that has a single ski on okay. the bottom and of the, it. And their poles have like little skis yep. on them. Right? And they have uh, handheld outriggers. Outrig and uh, outrig so they use those for yeah. balance and initiating turns yeah. and things like that. But I, I told them, I was like, man, this is going to be so hard. You know, I just want to prepare you for that. I found that when you prepare students for, for that and let them know how difficult it really is. I pushed that guy up the mountain. I swear on his first little slide down, he started making turns. And I was like, you, you asshole. <laughs> made me feel like a fool. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so that's just Some one. people just have it, though. They just love it, and they have oh, it, and man. they get it, and, and it's awesome. So you're saying yeah. he works for you now. Basically, that's what you're getting at. Well, you know, one of the cool things, uh, we receive funding from the Craig Nielsen Foundation, if you're familiar with the Craig Nielsen Hospital at uh, the University of Utah. Oh, okay. Uh, they have a foundation, and the premise that I wrote the grant about was, hey, we need a bunch of equipment, right? A Sitski, one of the... One Sitski costs anywhere from seven to $11,000. So I got funding about five new Sitskis, and the whole premise of the grant was, hey, we're gonna identify people with spinal cord injuries, bring them in, they can try out the five different pieces of equipment, learn how to ski independently, and then they can find out what equipment is good for them. Then we, as an organization, will help them write a grant to get their own adaptive equipment, mm. and then they become mentors to the program, mm. and the end goal being that they're paid instructors. So right now we have three paid instructors with spinal cord injuries on staff that are teaching other people with spinal cord injuries how to live and how to really ski independently. I mean, that's how cool is that? 
It gives you those chills. Yeah. Good stuff. Are most of the the participants in the program local or are these or a lot of people come from out of town? Like how does that how does that work? Um, so right now about 75% of our students are local. Okay. Um, we offer scholarships. <laughs> we offer scholarships for the five surrounding counties. And uh, if you have a disability, you can participate in our program for free. And from last year to this year, I doubled the funding amount. Mm. So I, I just under doubled the funding amount. And we're looking at... We what are, did I tell you before? This doubling and tripling, <laughs> is it sustainable? <laughs> well, oh but, but here's gosh. the thing. So we are Probably now is with you. two months into our season. Uh, we, started, uh, we started a little bit late. You know, I kind of want to wait for the holiday season to, to pass. And, mm-hmm. and so we started January 2nd. It's now February 28th. And we have exhausted all of our... The good news is we have exhausted all of our scholarship funding. The bad news is we have exhausted, exhausted all, all of our scholarship funding. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that just puts a little bit more pressure on me. Uh, this year is really identifying what do we really need as an organization? Where do we want to go? How much do we want to grow? We don't want to grow, and I don't want to grow this organization just to grow. We want to grow until we meet the demands of the community. And once we meet those demands, all right, we're good, right? Let's just sustain it. But to get to where we are now, to meeting those demands, there's a huge gap. And that is my job for the next five years at least to create sustainability within this nonprofit, which for any of you out there that, that run a nonprofit, you understand how difficult that is to, to fund. It takes a lot of money to, raise the, to run these programs. Did you have a comment, Don? Nothing other than okay. it's just good work that you're doing. I mean, I, I think that we collectively in here have a lot of you know, experience with nonprofits, and it is not an easy road. It's a very satisfying road sometimes, but I, I'm just impressed with all the work you've been doing. Well, thank you. And one thing that, that I'll add just to that is, you know, it's not a zero-sum theory, right? When we're looking and we're doing nonprofit, nonprofit, we're fundraising, we're writing grants, it's not that if I write a grant and get funded that it takes away funding from everybody else. If we collectively raise money together and write grants together, then the sum of it all grows, right? And so everybody kind of wins. And that's one of the things that I love about the Ogden community is the collaborative effort. There's a ton of amazing nonprofits. You know, we were just uh, nominated for Nonprofit of the Year through the Weber County um, Chamber of Commerce, Mm -hmm. and we're extremely honored for that. But it's like there's so many great nonprofits out here and working collaboratively. And uh, the United Way of Northern Utah is just an awesome facilitator of that too. So anyway, we just, we feel really really fortunate. I feel very fortunate personally to have found this community and been so well welcomed. It's been amazing. Alex, I feel like this is all consuming for you. Like you go home and this is all you think about. But so what else do you think about when you're not trying to grow, adapt? Well, when I'm working, I think about work. Before work, I typically think about work. And then <laughs> after work is when I'm trying to think, think about work. Think but, about work. <laughs> um, I've actually found a little bit of a balance here. You know, I have a, a wonderful partner in my life. We get married and 10 days. Congrats. Thank wow. you. Yeah. And, 10 days. Um, I was married to my job for so long, and, and I'm still mm. kind of married, but she's she's okay with a, a thruple, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> she's so, into it. Yeah. No, and, and she actually works for uh, the National Billy Center. They do similar yeah. work. Uh, I was just going to ask if she <laughs> did, because I just knew that that was the case. What's <laughs> so funny is everybody thinks that we met through work. Nope. We met just like every other millennial. We met on at Tinder. A, oh, at a bar. Oh. No, on Tinder. No. <laughs> met on Tinder, both swipe right, go to have dinner, and um, it's like, oh, oh well, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, you know, I. I, I work what for this little chances? I work for this little nonprofit. We teach adaptive rec. She's like, no way. I work for a national belief center. I'm like, whoa, that's wow. the big cheese up there. So um yeah, no, but I've been able to find a little bit more work balance and and it's even better. I think I perform better at work when I'm at work 
than when I used to just be always working all the time, you know? So I think it's great. Uh, you live in Ogden Canyon. I just want to mention this because you, you came to Ogden about a year ago and like just dove right in. Like, I'm just going to move to the Canyon. I'm going to be one with, with the people. And then this morning, did you, did you skin out of your garage this morning? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Very fortunate. So, you know, moved to Ogden, immediately fell in love, fell in love with the mountains. You know, we operate a snow basin, Powder Mountain and Nordic Valley. Those three partners of ours, uh, communally, they give us the the most in-kind donations, we would not exist if it wasn't for their generosity. And I was sitting on the gondola on my second day after moving here, and I said, yep, Alex, this is it. And I actually uh, put an offer on a house in Ogden Canyon seven days after I moved here. Mm. And that came to fruition. You know, the housing market was just getting crazy. It was before interest rates kind of skyrocketed and things like that. So everything really has just aligned so well. And yeah, Ogden Canyon, uh, you know, we've had an epic epic winter this year. And so I put my skins on, put my skis on in my garage, hiked out, took my three dogs and, and we went for a quick little ski. He showed me the video. He's literally <laughs> in the garage with his skis on and then out on the trail. It's so cool. Yeah. I, again, I would expect no less from you. <laughs> you know, at, at heart, you know, we, we do all these things and yeah, we create all this access and, and all these opportunities for people that typically are in a demographic that don't have those opportunities for access. I have. I moved here for the winter. I love this area. I love the mountain biking. I love the hiking. Welcome to winter. (laughs) We had a good one. How can we help? What can we do to help you? And what what does Adapt need from the community? You know, thank you. That's that's a great question. I think the biggest need that I've identified is is recognition. You know, we Mm. nobody really knows about us yet. Uh, So many people call. And they say, well, I've never even heard of Ogden Valley Adaptive. I, I go to the National Building Center. And we have veterans that live in North Ogden that take Trapper's Loop and go the back way to National Ability Center, they literally drive by Snow Basin, Powder Mountain, and Nordic Valley, all of the areas that we operate out of, and they're going to take adaptive ski lessons. Well, we have a program here, you know, and I, I know, and I love National Ability Center. Obviously, uh, it's a wonderful organization, but... <laughs> How could we undercut your soon-to-be <laughs> wife, I guess? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, you know, just that, that recognition of people knowing who we are, because when... The need is here. The demand is here. We're already kind of doubling the, the amount of lessons that we did last year. But then as we grow the need, people and our students and the demographic we're trying to serve is, is finding out about us. Yeah. So will donors and so will the community and so will all of the support. So, you know, this this podcast, you know, coming out here and, and just giving giving our name out there and saying, hey, this is this is the work we do. Are you willing to support it? Well, had I known you were going to bring really, really good beer, I would have had you on earlier. <laughs> best beer best beer in the world made out of Flagstaff, Arizona. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, did we forget anything, by the way? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Because you wanted to cover a couple, but I think we touched on everything, right? I just wanted to thank the Ogden community for how yeah. generous and supportive they are and let They're you know. They're the best. Yeah. We want to get back to you <laughs> however we amazing. can. So uh, adapt, uh, Ogden Valley Adaptive Sports. I'm assuming you type that into Google, it finds all the things, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. Dot org. Okay. So. Dot org.